Genesis 20. So, Abraham traveled to the region of the Negev, and it says between Kadesh and Shur. And I was like, where have I heard this before? I flip back a few pages, and it is not the same place, but it's close, very close. So, remember when um, Sarah was beating Hagar and abusing her, uh, and she ran away? Well, she ran away to between Kadesh and Bered. So, Kadesh is the same Kadesh, Bered and Shur are different places. So, it's still in that same region uh, down there by the border of Egypt. Um, and it doesn't say why Abraham, Abraham moved down there. Um, it is right after all this stuff with Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, this stuff going on with Lot up in the cave. But it doesn't say. He just moves. And he goes down there and he, he tells people that, that Sarah is his sister. And so uh, King Abimelech of Gerar had Sarah brought to him. What's interesting, I mean, I don't remember how old they were when they were in Egypt, but, you know, this is the same, that's the same setup as what was going on when they went to Egypt. But Sarah's in her 90s. Like, she's not a spring chicken. She's in her 90s. Anyway, she must be incredibly beautiful, as they keep saying. So, um, God then came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said, You are about to die because of the woman you have taken. And later on, we get to actually hear about what that death was for him and how significant it was. And Abimelech, who had not gone and approached her, so he brought her to his, uh, to his palace, and she was among the concubines, but he had not um, taken her to his bedroom at that point. Uh, Abimelech had not approached her, and he said, I'm innocent. I didn't know, and I did it with a clear conscience. I mean, he said, she's my sister, and she said, he's my brother. And God said, yes, I know what you did. With, I know you did it with a clear conscience. I have kept you from sinning against me. So something in there kept him from taking her, like I don't know, circumstances or something. And God is saying, I protected you from punishment, from doing this horrible thing, even though you didn't know. I think that's actually a good place to pause and reflect on that. That there are circumstances in life where God has protected people us from uh, temptation and sin without our even knowing it. He stopped us from doing uh, things that would destroy ourselves and would destroy the people around us. And he's, he's protecting us from those things. And some things happen, but some things he has protected us from and we don't even know about it. I mean, if God hadn't talked to uh, Abimelech in a dream, and approached him and stopped him from, from doing this, um, then he would have ended up a lot more like uh, Pharaoh in you know several chapters earlier. Uh, and maybe worse. Maybe um, maybe he maybe then his heart would be hard because he would have already uh, committed and gone down that path. And then he would have been destroyed. Surely that's what God would have done to him. I mean, that's kind of what he's saying he would have done anyway. So... Yeah, that's a, I, 
I do not spend enough time thanking God for protecting me from things that I'm not even aware of. And I definitely need to. So, uh, God says that Abraham is a prophet and that he will pray for you and you will live, which seems to indicate that Abimelech is sick now. Early in the morning, Abimelech got up, he called his servants together, and he told all of them, because they're actually all affected by this too. And he brings in Abraham and he says, what have you done to us? What did we do to sin against you? Why, like, what are you, and I love this, what did you intend when you did this thing? And Abraham explains it. He doesn't actually explain why he does this in in Egypt, at least not to this extent. He just says, say this so that we don't get killed. And he says, I thought there's absolutely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not my mother. So, um, yeah, they're, they're half-siblings, half-brother, half half-sister. Um, so I, I told her to show your loyalty to me wherever we go, say to people that he's my brother. And so Abimelech took sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham uh, and returned his wife and gave him a thousand pieces of silver to verify your honor to everybody so that everybody in the whole area could go, oh, yeah, she's fine. They did not, they didn't do it. Which is good. But that's a lot of stuff. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves. And so here's actually where we find out what they were accursed with, which actually gives us an interesting glimpse into the timeline here. So his female slave, uh, female slaves, so that they could bear children, for the Lord had completely closed all the wombs of Abimelech's household on account of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So how long does it take to find out that every woman in all of your household, your wife and your slaves and everybody, that their wombs have been closed? I don't know. Or they, they, it's not like they're having babies every month. So there's some significant time happening before all of this. Because this is when Abraham came and he prayed to he prayed to God for them after he returned all this stuff. Or he returned, you know, he gave them all this stuff and returned Sarah. So there's a significant time frame here happening um, between when uh, he took Sarah and didn't sleep with her, and when this happens. Because they noticed, they knew that this was happening, and when Abraham prayed, God healed them, and then again. There's probably a verification time of knowing when, you know, when that was healed. Like, it's not like everybody all of a sudden had babies the next day. That's not how that works. And that's just, I'm, I'm struck by the amazing time scale of all of this. A lot of times you read through this and it just seems like, you know, he traveled down, pow, and then he traveled up, pow, and then like, he went over here and it was like the next day. But... These are stretched out over months and years, and I forget that. I also, I was chatting with somebody, uh, a friend of mine, and I'm, I want to keep on reminding myself 
and anyone who's listening. Um, Noah is dead, which might seem obvious because Noah was from many chapters ago and Abraham is many generations down the line from Noah. But Noah's son, Shem, who lived through the flood, who was about a hundred, uh, under a hundred years old, but old enough to be married, uh, through the flood, he is still alive in the world at this point. And I want to remember that up until the, the timeline part where I know that he dies. And he lives through the life of Abraham and Isaac into significantly into the life of Jacob. And so just keeping that in mind that like, there were people alive who could go and talk to Shem. And Shem knew people up the line before Noah. Like he, you know, he, he could have talked to, um, I don't know if they had overlap with Seth directly, but like they were like three connections away from uh, Adam himself. Like they were, they, like he knew somebody that knew somebody that knew Adam. It's a, the oral, the oral tradition and the oral history there. It's got to be rock solid when you've got people that are still living 400 years. And Shem lived 400, let's see, Noah lived 450 years after the flood. And Shem lived after the flood longer than that because he was much younger when the flood happened. Because Noah was 600 when the flood happened. 500? 400. Something. Um, then you go back and look at my notes. We talked about that many podcasts ago, back in earlier chapters. Anyway, all of that to say, I want to compare this against the, the, the one in Egypt. I'm not line by line or anything, but, but this just, this just happens so differently. Um, we don't know how they figured it out in Egypt. Was it their mediums? Was it was it a dream? It doesn't say that God went to them directly. It took them. It seems like it took them a lot longer to figure it out in Egypt. And here, there was a there was a dream. Maybe this is how it happened in Egypt too. But Pharaoh ignored it. And then, as things got progressively worse, he remembered it and 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 went and confirmed that with Abraham. We don't know. But the difference here is that Abraham said, I thought that there was no fear of God in this place. But there was. Because God went to Abimelech in a dream. And he woke up. And he was, he was grief-stricken. That he, and he was afraid. He feared God. And he wanted to obey and follow what God had commanded immediately. And so there's the difference, is that early in, in Egypt, there was, no, there was no, I fear God and I will do whatever he is asking and telling me to do ahead of time, before the sin has happened. After the sin had happened, and after a bunch of destruction happened, then, then it was easy to, to hear what was going on. But here, it was, it was, he was told in a dream, and he feared God. He listened, and he put everything right. So, yeah, that's a, 
now, now I kind of want to go back and read more about more about the other one again because it's been a little bit. I don't think in the other one that um, that Abraham prays for them to heal them. At least I don't think it says that explicitly. But yeah, he he struck them with severe plagues in Egypt. Multiple, plural, severe. So, let us not forget the fear of God. I think that oftentimes we, we paint a picture of God as being friendly and tame and manageable. And that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is scary at times. And... And the right place, the right position for us to be in before him is humbly obedient and fearing of his power and might and majesty. Not in a way that cripples us, but in a way that, that puts us in, a, in alignment with uh, wanting to do what he wants us to do, not prioritizing our own wants and desires and needs. Because he is powerful and can provide, but he is also powerful and can destroy. And we need to look at that. I mean, I mean I'm not making this up. Look through the Bible. The fear of God, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. Seek him, honor him, humbly come before him, and put your priorities in line with his, not the other way around.